I was doing good. <laughs> Thought I had it all together. And you guys do that. Yeah, just a few sundry items before I get started that I need to tell you all. If I have any legacy at this church as being a decent pastor, 90 8% of it would be for Jesus. The other 2% would be my lovely wife who has saved me from being me and allowed me to be a good pastor. She's been an absolutely amazing... And, I, and Jeremy could say the same thing. She has made us to be the pastors that we could be because she has poked us and prodded us and filled in the gaps where we have missed. In fact, I couldn't think of serving as a pastor without my wife, honestly. She's a peach! <laughs> if there's any other legacy I have, I wanted want to re remind you of a few things that if you think about me at any time in the future, a few things. Call somebody a precious peep, please. How many years have I said, hey, how's it going, precious peeps? Because you guys are super precious. And to have so many of my friends and family of my, this church be here means so much to me. It really does. When you're singing and the song requires you to sing hallelujah, Sing hallelujah, Yahweh. Pardon me, please. Let's let that keep going so people will know the, the name of God. This sermon today, and I apologize, it's probably going to go longer than the 12 o'clock threshold. What are you going to do, fire me? <laughs> When, we, when Jeremy and I started this gig, there were a lot of people, man, you need to be done at 12. You need to be done. We tried try to change that. I still have people leave at 12. They miss the best part. If there's any legacy we want to talk about, gosh, don't take yourself too seriously and laugh. Laugh. I laugh at myself all the time. Barb laughs at me even more. <laughs> and so... This whole sermon is predicated to something outside of Colossians. And I'm going to give it my, my darndest today for you. Because it's my last sermon to give to the people that I love so much. And I want you to hear it today. This week we read the book of Colossians. And listen, I've, I've read the book of Colossians. Dozens of times. But it was... I picked up something different this week that I think, I think that you will enjoy. But all of it is predicated to one verse, and it's not in Colossians. Okay? It's in John 14. 
verses 5 through 7. This is, this is Jesus in the upper room. And he just tells them, hey, I'm going away. And the disciples go, wait, wait, what? And he says, we're going some, I'm going to go somewhere, but you'll be, I'll be there. And Thomas says this, Lord, we don't know where you're going, so how can we know the way? And then Jesus says this, amazingly, he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you really know me, you will know my Father as well. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. So my my sermon title for the book of Colossians is, Why Should We Follow Jesus? And I hope today to give you 22 reasons. I'm serious. <laughs> 22 reasons, but it'll be quick. Of why you should follow Jesus. If you already follow Jesus, this should encourage you. Because I try to be an encouraging pastor. If you are not a follower of Jesus, this hopefully will convince you to do it. Sound good? And this is Paul doing it. Paul, this is why Colossians is so important. I, it never dawned on me, but when Paul in prison writes and sends Tychicus and Onesimus to Colossae with a letter for them, he doesn't know them. He does not know them personally. I can look through here. I know all of you. I boast, I've been to almost all of your houses. I've been there for births. I've been there for deaths. I've been there for sickness. I've been there for trying times, for graduations. I know you. If I was to write you a letter... I could call you all out and I could say, Ma, Walter, remember the time you got in that car ac- that motorcycle accident and I went to the hospital to see you and I walked in the room and some orderly was taking the, the sheets off and putting everything away and folding away and he, I walked in he goes, oh, I'm sorry. I'm like, oh! He's gone! He's dead! I'm walking down the hall and I look down the hall and... There he is in, in, in the hospital. I, okay. Can you imagine what the disciples, when they, he saw Jesus die on the cross, and then he r- r- resurrected, and everybody went, Woo! That was me! I was like, ah! At the time, I hardly knew Walter, and I grabbed him, and I was, ah! He was like, hey. You know, I, I, I sort of am injured here, you know. But I was like, He's alive! So what Paul is doing when he's writing, he's writing, he doesn't know any of them except Epaphras. We believe Epaphras was in the third missionary journey. Paul baptized Epaphras in Ephesus. And, and then Epaphras went back to his hometown, Colossae, and started telling people about Jesus. And then people started gathering together. And then a church formed in Colossae. 
And so when Epaphras goes to see Paul in prison, he tells them about it, and Paul writes them a letter. He didn't know any of them. Guess what? None of us have personally met Paul yet. But he wrote a letter to Christians that he didn't know. So this letter is, is telling you the same thing he, was, he would tell the people in Colossae. There's only two, two letters that he wrote that he didn't really know anybody. Romans, he knew a few, but he wrote to the church in Rome. He didn't, hadn't been there yet. We don't know if, if he ever made it to Colossae, but he, this, this letter that he's written is very encouraging, and he is, he is encouraging them to stay in the faith. He's encouraging them to follow Jesus. And so we were going to read some passages of Scripture as evidence, and then I will tell you what they are. Okay? So here we go. Let's do this. What time is it? Ah, we got plenty of time. Here we go. Let's start with Colossians 1, 15 through 23. Eight verses. The Son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible. Whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities or all things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the church, of the body of the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything he might have supremacy. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. Once you were alienated from God and were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior. But now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in his sight, without blemish and free from accusation. If you continue in your faith, established and firm, and do not move from the hope held out in the gospel, this is the gospel that you have heard, and that has been proclaimed to every creature under heaven, and of which I, Paul, have become a servant." So let me give you the first six reasons you should follow Jesus. Number one, Jesus is the supreme ruler. There is no one over Jesus. He is preeminent over all. And wouldn't you want the guy that is large and in charge in your life? For years, Jeremy and I have told you, do not follow a man, follow Jesus. Why? Because he is the supreme being. He's the one. You want to follow somebody else? Okay. That other person has to answer to Jesus. Number two, Jesus is your creator. Did you read the, did you hear the passage where he said, all things were created through him and by him. Jesus is the word of God. How did creation start out? We see in Genesis, God spoke it into existence. That speaking, that word is Jesus. He's been there all the time. He was your creator. Number three, Jesus paid the ultimate cost for your deliverance. And he beat death 
the God of the universe died. Something that he could not do, but he did. To pay. And he beat it. Number four, because Jesus beat death, you have hope in doing the same by being aligned with him. Jesus is the supreme being. Jesus created you. Jesus died for you, but he beat death. And if you are with him, you beat death. That's just the first four. Through Jesus, you can become holy. Listen, there's lots of times I have spent with people in counseling over the years. And there's always been this thing. Doesn't Jesus want me to be happy? And my answer has always been no. He wants you to be holy. And because he wants you to be holy, more than he wants you to be happy, there will be times you won't be happy. And you can be holy, separate, distinct than the world. Number six, you stop being enemies of God, rebellious of God, You stop being that because of what Christ did. All of us at one time, living our lives for ourselves, living in sin, rebelling against what God said, it has made us enemies of God. And what Jesus has done, if you follow Jesus, you are no longer an enemy of God. That's huge. I mean... You want to be on God's side? I do. I don't want to be enemies of, enemies of Him. Now let's go to Colossians 24, 1, 24 through, through 2, 5. Now I rejoice in what I am suffering for you, and I fill up in my flesh what is still lacking in regard to Christ's afflictions for the sake of His body, which is the church. I have become its servants by the commission God gave me to present to you the Word of God in its fullness. The mystery that has been kept hidden for ages and generations, but is now disclosed to the Lord's people. To them, God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles the glorious riches of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. He is the one we proclaim, admonishing and teaching everyone with all wisdom, so that we may present everyone fully mature in Christ. To this end, I strenuously contend with all the energy Christ so powerfully works in me. I want you to know how hard I am contending for you and for those at Laodicea and for all who have not met me personally. My goal is that they they may be encouraged in heart and united in love so that they may have the full riches of complete understanding in order that they may know the mystery of God, namely Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. I tell you this, so that no one may deceive you by fine-sounding arguments. For though I am absent from you in body, I am present with you in spirit, and delight to see how disciplined you are and how firm your faith in Christ is. He mentions Laodicea. 
So, I could not let my last sermon go without a couple maps. <laughs> so, Sydney, forgive me for doing this out of order, but could you show us map one? Okay, when Paul writes, here is Colossae, and here is Laodicea. Colossae here is on the southern end of Asia Minor. This, during this time, it's all known as Asia. You look at the different provinces. This is the province of Asia, province of Galatia. When we read the book of Galatians, Galatians is not a place, it's a region, it's provision. So he wrote to all of these things. Antioch, Iconium, Derby, these were all during the first missionary journey. Paul is originally from this, from Tarsus. He's Cilicia. And so, this way is the Roman Peninsula, Greece and the Roman Peninsula is way over here. Sorry, that doesn't map go well here. But, so, but you notice that I have Colossae and Laodicea. This is very important because I think Epaphras helped start both of these churches. Let's go to the next slide. Next map. I thought I'd point this out to you. Here's Colossae right here. But here are the seven churches that are listed in Revelation that Jesus talks to. And if you were to follow the Roman roads, you would take Miletus here at the coast, go to Ephesus... You would go to Smyrna, you would go to Pergamum, then you would go down this valley to Thyatira, Sardis, Philadelphia, and Laodicea. That is exactly the order in which the churches are listed in Revelation. Because that was intended for someone to come to all the churches and give the message. Isn't that amazing how that works? And Laodicea and Colossae are forever linked together because in the book of Colossae, in the letter of Colossae, Paul says, take this letter and let the Laodiceans read it and we'll take the letter from the Laodiceans and the Colossae read it. We don't have that letter for the Laodicea. We just have the Colossae. But isn't that interesting? Paul at this time had figured out that the letters that he wrote to the churches were being passed around and that they were helping build up other bodies of believers. So if Paul was here today, we say, you know, we, were stu- we studied your book, your letter to the Colossian church. He says, that's the way it's supposed to be. That's the way it's supposed to be. So here is 7 through 12, that you will have a life worth living. If you are a follower of Jesus, you are going to struggle. You're going to have hardship. But anything worth doing and having is going to take a struggle. It's going to have hardship. But with Jesus, you have victory. Number eight, that you will have a family, not alone, not forsaken. That is the church. The church will be your family. And I can speak from personal experience that the body that stands, sits before me, I am standing here sitting, is a family to me. That's why it's so hard to make the decision to go somewhere else. 
This week has been filled with lasts. My last staff meeting. My last video. My last shutting down of the computer. This morning I walked in for 14 years on the, my sermons. I come in here early to pray and prepare and get ready. No one's here. I come in. I unlock the door. I turn on the lights. I start the first coffee. Because that's important. And I, I do all of that. And I thought, today was the last day I did that. It's just, because you guys are more than just people I preach at. As a follower of Jesus, this is what's supposed to happen. You have that family. You have that church. You have that fellowship. Number nine, you will have encouragement in life either by the word of God or a fellow Christian speaking, encouraging words to you. I have been honored to be that guy for a long time to encourage you, to inspire you, to be your cheerleader. Using my gifts of encouragement to you. Number ten, you will have love in life. This is what Paul says. If you follow Jesus, you will have love in your life. The love of one person to another. You will be given wisdom. This is number eleven. You will be given wisdom, knowledge, and mystery. Not earthly, but heavenly, eternal Wisdom, knowledge, and mystery. The mystery he talks about here is, for the longest time, everybody thought that only Jews could know Yahweh. But because of Jesus, now the Gentiles were allowed or expected to follow Jesus. That's the mystery. Like For many of the Jews, even to today, huh? what are these Gentiles doing here? But Jesus died for all. And number 12, so that you will not be deceived. If you're a follower of Jesus, wholeheartedly devoted to him, you will not be deceived. Jesus said it this way, I know my sheep and my sheep know me. They will know my voice. They will not go to another. My friends, we have people walking around our planet completely deceived. Because they have done anything other than God. Anything other than Jesus. And they come up with all kinds of things. You just look at, you, look at them and you just scratch your head. And you go, where did this come from? So just know, these are the first 12 benefits of following Jesus. 12 is good. 22 is better. By the way, there's more. But I figured I'd have a revolt if I went farther. All right. So Colossians 2, 9 through 19. For in Christ, all the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form. 
And in Christ, you have been brought to fullness. He is the head over every power and authority. In him, you were also circumcised with a circumcision not performed by human hands. Your whole self, ruled by the flesh, was put off when you were circumcised by Christ. Having been buried with him in baptism in which you were also raised with him through your faith in the working of God who raised him from the dead. When you were dead in your sins and in the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made you alive with Christ. He forgave us all our sins, having canceled the charge of your legal indebtedness, which stood against us and condemned us. He has taken it away, nailing it to the cross. And having disarmed the powers and authorities, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross." Therefore, do not let anyone judge you by what you eat or drink or with regard to a religious festival or a new moon celebration or a Sabbath day. These are a shadow of the things that were to come. The reality, however, is found in Christ. Do not let anyone who delights in false humility and the worship of angels disqualify you. Such a person also goes into great detail about what they have seen. They are puffed up in the idle notions of their unspiritual mind. They've lost connection with their head, with the head, from whom the whole body is supported and held together by its ligaments and sinews grow as God grows it, causes it to grow. This section, there's just one that God gives us if you are, if you are a follower of Jesus. Number 13, you'll have freedom. You will have Freedom, the freedom from death, the freedom from sin, you'll be forgiven. Freedom from judgment by God or others, and you have the freedom to maturity. Guys, no one can judge you. If you were a follower of Jesus, they may try. But just like water on a duck, just let it roll off you. You know, Mark, I notice you don't keep the Sabbath. Okay. You know, I work on Sundays. Saturday is supposed to be the Sabbath. Really? Friday is my day off. And that's my Sabbath. Have I given up the Sabbath? Listen, this is what Jesus said about the Sabbath. He said, Sabbath is for man, not man for the Sabbath. So God's idea, because he knows us, because he created us, because Jesus created us, he knows six days is about all we can do before something starts collapsing, something that we start... But you know what? There's one way we go, oh, but I can still tough it out. I can still work that next day, make some more money, or get this stuff done. That's not trusting in God. It's a principle. So am I going to judge anybody because they don't keep a Sabbath? No. But for me, I have the freedom to say, I'm taking a day off. And it's a biblical principle. Which one of the Ten Commandments has stopped? None of them! All right. 
Colossians 3, since then you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. For you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. Because of these, the wrath of God is coming. You used to walk in these ways in the life you once lived, but now you must also rid yourselves of all such things as anger, rage, malice, slander, filthy language from your lips. Do not lie to each other, since you have taken off your old self with its practices, but have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge in the image of its creator. Here there is no Gentile or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave or free, but Christ is all and is in all. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another if any of you has a grievance against someone. Forgive as the Lord forgave you, and over all these virtues put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you were called to peace and be thankful. Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns, and songs. From the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. Did you hear those lists? It's a list of bad things, and there's some more bad things we should supposed to be doing. Those lists are not for us to compare on someone else. Those lists are for us to look. If I still have a filthy mouth, then there still needs to be some change in me. So how do I get that change? Do I smack myself every time I say a four-letter word? No. You know how you change yourself? You know how you change in your Christian walk? You get closer and closer and closer to Jesus. It's, his, it's your proximity to Jesus that will change you. That will shape you. Listen, my BC life, I used to cuss like a sailor. I mean, I made sailors blush. I mean, it was horrible. Some of the things that I would say. And I used expletives about every other word. I had a very limited vocabulary, and all of it was bad. But when I accepted Jesus, soon and very soon, those four-letter words disappeared. Not because I was working on it, but because I was drawing closer and closer to Jesus. Now, this is just, this is just an example. There's all of these things. As you draw closer, and then you need to start practicing these other things. Because 
if you want to get good at loving somebody, if you want to get good at showing compassion, if you want to get good at bringing about restoration, you've got to practice it. You've got to practice it. And at first, it's hard and it's awkward and it's... Some of you were... Do you remember my first sermon? Oh my gosh! It's about 99. I stuttered. I read everything. I didn't move. It's horrible. I think it was like seven minutes long. (laughs) Not like today. (laughs) But over the years, I practiced it, got better at it, got better at it. Then I got this gig at Hope Christian School and I got better at it. Oh my gosh, I stumbled all over myself. Kids just laughed at me. It was awesome training, I'm telling you. I can't tell you how many times I would say something in class, and you guys know this. I would say something in class, and, and then I would go, wait, 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 don't tell your parents I said that. <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> As something comes out, and then I want to grab them and put them back. It still happens to this day. The other day, Mia was wearing this really nice dress, and I, she was leaving. Now, I wanted to give her a compliment, and I go, you know, sometimes when you wear a dress, it reminds me you're a woman. <laughs> and then I went, I was like, I can't believe I just said that. <laughs> so then it was an awkward goodbye. It was just like, uh, a bye. <laughs> it's still there. I, I still... I say something and then I think about it. Thank you for Barb for helping me practice that. All right. So in all these readings, you are made alive in Christ. You no longer have a life of your own. Christ lives in you. Can I tell you how freeing that is? Number 15, you have an eternal perspective. 16, you'll be kinder to others and you'll get along with others better. I'll stop right there. Just, you know what? When you are a follower of Jesus, after you don't have to have the last word. You don't have to justify yourself. It makes you a nicer person to be with. Now, you all know somebody in your life that has to have the last word. It's okay. For 14 years, I've let Germ have the last word. (laughs) By the way, everybody needs to start calling Jeremy Germ. That's been my nickname for him for years. Let that be my legacy. All right. (laughs) 17, you won't have to cover your tracks because you won't lie. Can't tell you how freeing that is? As a follower of Jesus, you'll no longer lie. Well, I mean, you... You work on it because you draw closer to Jesus. Then you can I tell you, man, before Jesus had a lying sack of you know what. And after a while I I didn't have to 
cover my tracks. So what did I say before? It's awesome. Very freeing. That's one of the benefits of following Jesus. You won't harbor grudges. A lot of you are walking around with grudges. You see a picture of them, or you, they come down, this, just spit on the ground, you're angry, you're hacked off. If you can forgive them and let them be free, you're free. You're free. Let it go. Man, talk about all that weight off your shoulders. That's another reason to follow Jesus. Number 19, you'll have peace. Peace that stays, peace that sticks. Philippians has it this way. You'll have a peace that transcends understanding. Listen, I'm going to be happy. I'm going to be sad. And that's just the way it is. But peace and contentment are priceless. Number 20, you'll be grateful. You'll be grateful person. That in itself will change this world if you will be grateful. Can I tell you, I thank God every day for you guys. It has been an honor to be your pastor. It's been an honor to be your teacher. 21, you'll have a song in your heart. How many of you have gone to worship on Sunday and Madeline or Sam or Javier will do a song and then you're just like humming along the whole time? I mean, it's just like, I mean, just, you're singing it all the time. I will not bow to the gods of men. I will not bow. It's going to stay with me all day. And thank you. Thank you for that. I mean, it's just awesome. And it's biblical. We're supposed to talk to each other with psalms and songs. That's an important part of being a follower of Jesus. You need to have a song in your heart. And number 22. You'll have a great work ethic. Because you won't be working for your boss. You will not be working for the money. You'll be working as if you're working for the Lord. Jesus has given me supernatural strength as a pastor of Heights Christian Church. I remember distinctly the day I was on a mission trip in the middle of Ecuador. And I woke up June 1st, 2008. And I was walking around. This is weird, just a weird feeling. What, I, was, I kept talking to people. What, what is this? I, I'm not sick, but it's just... Oh, it's weird. And Pastor Alejandro Mejia, we still support him, came and he goes, what's going on, Mark? And I'm like, I just feel weird about it. He goes, what day is it? He goes, I go, it's... June 1st, 2008. He says, when do you start being a pastor of Heights Christian Church? June 1st, 2008. He goes, that is the mantle. And it will stay with you. 
I'm like, I don't want that. This feels weird. This but it's the spirit that has maintained me, given me supernatural things that I wouldn't have otherwise. I'm scared now. I'm going to walk out that door and that mantle's going to go away. I'm scared spitless about it. I don't know if it will or not. But since then, I have worked to please Jesus. And it's made things so much easier. So much easier. So that's 22 things that you should hang on to of reasons to follow Jesus. I'd like to finish with a few more encouraging words to you all. Colossians 4, 7 through 18. Tychicus will tell you all the news about me. He is a dear brother, a faithful minister and fellow servant of the Lord. I'm sending him to you for the express purpose that you may know about our circumstances and that he may encourage your hearts. He is coming with Onesimus, our faithful and dear brother, who is one of you. There they will tell you everything that is happening there. My fellow prisoner Aristarchus sends you his greetings, as does Mark, the cousin of Barnabas. You have received instructions about him. If he comes to you, welcome him. Jesus, who is called Justice, also sends his greeting. There are only these are the only Jews among my co-workers for the kingdom of God, and they have proved a comfort to me. Epaphras, who is one of you and a servant of Christ Jesus, sends greetings. He is always wrestling in prayer for you that you may stand firm in all the will of God, mature and fully assured. I vouch for him that he is working hard for you and those at Laodicea and Hierapolis. Our dear friend Luke, the doctor, and Demas send greetings. Give my greetings to the brothers and sisters at Laodicea and to Nympha and the church in her house. After this letter has been read to you, see that it is also read in the church of Laodiceans and that you in turn read the letter from Laodicea. Till Archippus... See to it that you complete the ministry you have received in the Lord. I, Paul, write this greeting in my own hand. Remember my chains. Grace be with you. You know, sometimes when we get the end of the final greetings of the epistles that Paul reads, we just kind of skip all over them. I want, to, I, want, I want us to look at that for just a few minutes as an encouragement. First of all, he lists Demas. Demas is also in the book of Philemon. Demas was with Paul. He spent time with Paul. He was part of Paul's inner circle we find out from 2nd Timothy the last book last letter that Paul wrote that Demas leaves him and goes to chase off this world he abandons Paul and he leaves him many people have called Demas Paul's Judas don't be a Demas Come on, that's funny. But don't. Don't. But then we have these other guys. We have Tychicus and Onesimus. They're the ones that bring the letter. Onesimus is a slave that is going back 
to his owner, Philemon, to present himself and bring about reconciliation. And he accompanied with a letter from Paul. You'll read it later this year. Then there's Aristarchus. He is the only one that's also in prison with Paul. We know who Aristarchus is because he is the one that gets arrested in, in, in Ephesus when they all go crazy over because they're stopping the sacrificing and the buying of the trinkets for the temple there. Aristarchus is one of those that gets captured and beat up. So he's been around. He's suffered. He's done it. Mark is there. Remember who Mark is. Mark went with Paul and Barnabas on the first missionary journey. He left them in the middle of it. And Paul was so upset about it, they, Paul and Barnabas divided up on the second missionary journey because Barnabas wanted to bring Mark. Well, there's been some restitution. Then there's Jesus, who they call Justice. Probably because he wanted to change his name. So they don't get it confused. Hey, I was just with Jesus the other day. You were? Did he come back? No, 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 the other Jesus. Wait, which Jesus is that? There's a, there's a, that's a pretty common name. Oh, it's Justice. Oh, okay, very good. So that's the guy. He's been there. Then there's Epaphras, who is the original one. He's staying to be with Paul. He's the one who started this church. He contends with him. He prays with him. Then there's Luke. Then there's Demas. There's Paul. Nine guys in a prison cell, talking, chatting, sending their greetings. Then there's Archippus. Can you imagine? Paul's never met this guy, but he calls him out in the letter that is not only read in Colossae, but it's also read in Laodicea. See to it. That you do the ministry that God wants you to do. Can you imagine? They're reading the letter publicly. That Paul, and he goes, and Archippus, do this. And everybody turns and looks at him. He's like, what? <laughs> okay, okay, I'll do it. Can you imagine if you're reading this letter and all of a sudden you're reading it and, you know, it says, Peter Siminski, continue... What you're supposed to be doing in the ministry. You're like, wait, wait. How did this get there? How did this happen? Trinidad. I mean, put, put your name there. What does God have for you? It's something that God has for you. A ministry of the gospel. It's got all of you have, a, have that name there at the end. Just put your name in there. It's true. But nine guys in a prison cell in a backward area in Rome. Nine guys. One of them's going to lead them. So you got eight. What can eight guys... Two of them who are actually prisoners have chains on. What are they going to do for this world? How, what kind of difference are they going to make? Well, let me tell you. You have Luke, who wrote the Gospel of Luke and Acts, Luke-Acts. Two of the bigger books of New Testament. Then you have Mark, who was also a Gospel writer, who wrote the book of Mark. And then you have Paul, who wrote 
countless letters, and we have a bunch of them. In these eight guys, of the nine guys in this jail cell, we have three-fifths of the New Testament. To this day, three-fifths. What that looks like is this. Of the 27 books found in the New Testament, 16 of them we know for sure. If we add Hebrews, we think Paul might have wrote that, but it doesn't matter. 16, that's three-fifths. That's 59.6% of the New Testament. If we go by chapters, that's 168 out of 260 chapters. 65%. So three-fifths were in this jail cell, encouraging Paul, encouraging Epaphras, figuring out, I'm sure while they were in that prison cell, they never in a million years thought that they would make the difference between life and death of literally millions of people in the last 2,000 years. And that's just eight guys. What can Jesus do with the 150 in this room today? Broken, messed up, but followers of Jesus. Each of you have a destiny. To change the world. The world from going to hell in a handbasket. And having God as your enemy. To being one with Christ. And having a life that doesn't end here on this earth. For eternity with Jesus. Forever. So when I walk out of here today, it's not so long. Farewell. Las Vita saying goodnight. It's, I'll see you later. I'm officially inviting all of you to Katy, Texas. Not all at the same time, but let's come and let's go watch some Astros games. Can I get an amen? amen. All right. But if I don't see you there, I'll see you in the air. We'll see each other again, whether this is the last day or not. Does that encourage you? Because it sure encourages me. I love you guys. I mean, I mean it. I really love you guys. You guys being here today has made my life. My millennia. Well, this one. Jesus will have the rest. Won't you stand?